Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we look at two statewide propositions, beginning with Proposition 24, which supporters say will strengthen California's landmark consumer privacy law. But advocates for consumer privacy have also lined up against the measure. We'll dig into why it's divided digital privacy groups and debate the proposition. Then Prop 19 would allow older homeowners who've benefited from low property tax rates to take that benefit even further. But it also clamps down on property tax breaks on inherited homes, known as the Lebowski loophole. We explain 19's path to the ballot. Forum is next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Those pop-ups on websites that say, do not sell my personal info, are because of California's 2018 Consumer Privacy Law, which allows people to find out what information businesses have collected on them and to tell companies not to sell it. Proposition 24 says it will strengthen that law. So why are some consumer privacy groups opposing it? For an explainer, we turn to our friends at Bay Curious. Here's host Olivia Allen-Price. Proposition 24 would change consumer privacy law in California in a lot of different ways. But before we can explain what it would do, it's important to understand where we've been. Well, Olivia, it all starts at a dinner party. This is Rachel Myro, senior editor of KQED's Silicon Valley Desk. This Bay Area real estate developer named Alistair McTaggart gets to talking with a Google engineer at this party. There was something in the press that day about privacy, and I asked him, hey, what's the, is there a big deal about this? And I expected him to say, nothing to see here. And he said, you'd be terrified if you knew how much we knew about everybody. So he goes home, and he starts learning about this global industry where people are buying and selling our data, essentially. We're being tracked 24-7, 365, all of your searches, all of your location, who you're standing next to, what apps you have installed, what you're looking for, what you're interested in. Alistair McTaggart decides to write a ballot proposition with a bunch of consumer privacy protections that he wants to see put in place. Lawmakers and the tech industry take notice, and they were worried that if a proposition like that went before voters and passed, it would be super difficult to amend. They got him to wave it off with the promise that there would be a bill that would be passed in the state legislature and that during the legislative year that followed, there would be lots of little amendments that could be discussed, debated, passed, or killed. And that's exactly what happened. The California Consumer Privacy Act passes in 2018, then goes into effect in January of this year. You know those dialog boxes that pop up when you visit websites all the time now? The ones with the big accept button? Yeah, that's the California Consumer Privacy Act in action. Basically, you can think about it in five easy pieces, right? 
Number one, you have the right to go to any company that's collecting information about you and ask, what are you collecting specifically? Like, send me the details. Number two, you have the right to tell that company to delete your information. Three, you have the right to demand that the company not sell the information on. Number four, you, the consumer, can sue only if a company's negligence leads to a hack that exposes your data. Otherwise, only the state attorney general's office can sue. Finally, number five, companies can't create this two-tier system where you get a lesser package of goods and services if you try to exercise your rights to privacy under the CCPA. So that's the California Consumer Privacy Act, which is in effect already. But McTaggart and a lot of others aren't quite satisfied. You know, a a lot of people would describe it as a hot mess. And, you know, quite possibly McTaggart as well, because he's back with this second proposition. It's more of what he wants to see and less of what is kind of collectively hashed out by all of these different power players in Sacramento. Okay, so that gets us to today. We're looking at Prop 24 on our ballot, a new collection of privacy measures. Rachel, what are we voting on here? So many things, Olivia. Too many things, in fact, to explain without going into some depth. I'm going to talk about four of the biggies, although actually, why don't we have McTaggart talk about number one? We create a new category of sensitive personal information. That's your race, your ethnicity, your health information, your sexual orientation. And you get to tell a business, look, that stuff is so sensitive, you shouldn't even be able to use it. Proposition 24 goes into further detail about what it defines as sensitive data. Number two, tougher fines for companies that violate children's privacy rights. Number three, no holding on to data longer than necessary. Unclear exactly what that means, but that's a concept in there. Number four, new state agency. This, Olivia, I think is the most intriguing aspect of Proposition 24, the creation of a new regulatory agency funded at a bare minimum of $10 million a year to work in tandem with the state attorney general's office. We should have more privacy professionals in this agency than right now exist in the FTC for the entire country. The FTC only has about 40 lawyers for the entire country for privacy, and we'll have about the same number here in California once it gets funded up and operating if the initiative passes. Rachel, I thought some of this was already the case under current consumer privacy law, like that I could tell companies not to use my sensitive info. Right. That's one of the confusing things about Proposition 24, that it promises to enshrine some things that are already law. Of course, there's very little enforcement, and companies big and small sidestep the laws a lot. So it's possible a new purpose-built regulatory agency in Sacramento might enforce better behavior. McTaggart says consumer privacy protections would be more secure if this prop passes. Because CCPA right now is, quote-unquote, just a law. It can get amended by the legislature tomorrow. Voter pass initiatives are harder to amend, but McTaggart says this one does give legislators a little more flexibility. We do give the legislature the power to amend it, even with just a simple majority vote. But, and here's the sort of protection, it has to be amended in furtherance of the purpose and intent of the act. And we have a section which is kind of like a Bill of Rights for Privacy. It just says, hey, look, you can amend it, just don't hurt consumers. But this one isn't all about increasing privacy for consumers. There are some provisions that seem like they might have the opposite effect. Frankly, Olivia, here's where things get confusing. I mean, on the one hand, Prop 24 directs companies to collect only what they need to provide you with their service. 
but it would be easier for companies to refuse to delete your information when you ask them to, and easier for companies to squirrel out of making sure that other companies that got some of that data are also complying with your request not to use it. Prop 24 would also reduce the number of companies that have to comply with these privacy laws. Companies that buy or sell data from less than 100,000 households a year would be exempted. Where do the companies who this prop could impact come down on this one? That's an excellent question. And I really want to take this moment to make the point that we're not just talking about tech companies like Facebook and Google collecting and selling your data. We've reached the point now in the global economy where your insurance company is in this game, your broadband provider, your retail outlets, and a host of companies you've never even heard of located all over the world. And while we saw a lot of lobbyists paid for by these companies saying a lot of things very loudly when the rollout of the current consumer privacy law was in play, most of them seem to be weirdly silent right now. There are different ideas about why that is, but the one I've heard most often is that the industry knows data collection is not popular, knows that Consumer privacy is popular, so they're just staying in the shadows to avoid blowback at the ballot box. All right. Well, let's get into what makes this prop sort of especially fascinating to me. Who is for and against it? I understand that it's kind of all over the place. Yes. People and groups who are usually on the same page are split on this one. Okay. Let's start with who's for it. Consumer Watchdog, Common Sense, the LA Times editorial board, and perhaps the biggest headliner of all, Andrew Yang, former presidential candidate who was one of the foremost techies on the early campaign trail. I would say, to put it succinctly, these folks like the basic premise of expanding consumer rights, and they trust Alistair McTaggart, that his heart is in the right place, even if the language of the proposition is convoluted and unclear. The Political Action Committee supporting the group is reporting $5.4 million in contributions, nearly all of that, Olivia, from Alistair McTaggart. And who's come out against it? On the no side, we've got the Consumer Federation of California, Media Alliance, a couple chapters of the ACLU. These groups are against 24 for a host of different reasons. Some say... The state doesn't really need another regulatory agency, which Prop 24 would create. Others think this prop is simply the wrong way to solve this type of problem because laws voted in as propositions are harder to amend than laws passed by the state legislature. I should also mention the no side has spent nowhere near the amount of money McTaggart has. To date, not even 50 grand, according to the Secretary of State's website. And we should also mention that there are some pretty notable groups like Consumer Reports and the Electronic Frontier Foundation who are not taking a side. Yes, and this is particularly interesting to me. I reached out to Haley Tsukuyama, a legislative analyst at EFF, which is a well-respected consumer data privacy advocate. So I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. I'm just, it's uh, not something that we felt able to support. The EFF has dug into the details in a tech-savvy way, but also they haven't locked into a political position that makes you worry they're shoving other concerns behind the curtain trying to show a united front. I just think there are enough things in here that I don't know what they would do functionally, and I don't know how hard they will be to fix if they do end up being wrong. 
it's a funny time in privacy law, right? We're, we're trying a lot of things. We're seeing what there's political appetite for. We're seeing what there's consumer appetite for. So she wants to see the new privacy law that we already have play out for a bit, sounds like. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of taking a side. Yeah, I mean, mainly in the sense that the EFF is following an ancient maxim in California ballot box politics, when in doubt, don't vote yes. I don't get the impression, reading the Foundation's blog post explaining their position, that anyone at the Foundation believes Prop 24 is world-ending or an unfixable giveaway to industry. It's just, as we've been talking about, it's way too hard to understand, even to people who know the territory. All right. That was an explainer on Proposition 24 from KQED's Bay Curious PropFest series. You can find more explainers on the statewide propositions at baycurious.org. And now we want to hear from you. What do you think of Proposition 24? Do you think California's existing privacy law does enough? Why or why not? Have you already voted or decided how you'll vote on Proposition 24? Tell us why. You can call us at 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Stay with us. We'll be debating Proposition 24 with the yes and no sides after the break and KQED's Rachel Myro will also be joining us. This is Farm. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about Proposition 24 and consumer privacy. Joining us is Rachel Myro, Senior Editor of KQED Silicon Valley News Desk. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Mina. Also with us is Jim Steyer, CEO and founder of Common Sense Media and also a Stanford professor. Jim Steyer represents the Yes on 24 campaign. Thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Also with us is Richard Holliber, President of the Consumer Federation of California, representing the No on 24 campaign. Thanks for joining us, Richard Holliber. Thanks for having me. So, Jim Steyer, I'm going to start with you. First of all, what are the parts of this law that you like? Well, first of all, it's important for the audience to understand that Common Sense Media is the organization that authored the CCPA, the, the law in 2018. Alistair McTaggart, who you referred to uh, in the uh, segment that Rachel did, uh, was our partner in that. He folded the ballot initiative he drafted in 2018 into that initiative. So we were the lead with the author and lead sponsor of the CCPA. And so and we have led the, that effort here in California and around the country as, as a the very large kids media and advocacy group we are. So when we looked at Proposition 24, the basic question which we asked, which is what all voters should ask is, does this improve privacy overall for consumers in California and around the country? And the answer is no brainer, yes, it does. Is it a perfect law? Does it have every single thing in it that we would all love? No, but it absolutely improves the CCPA, which we authored and got the passage done of. So for us, it was really straightforward because number one, California now basically is the standard for the country on privacy and Prop 24 
continues to protect privacy, expands certain protections like the segment referred to, like including new protections for sensitive personal information, geolocation tracking, et cetera. And then it adds this major new enforcement agency, which never existed before, which will enforce your and my and everybody in the audience's privacy rights. So bottom line, supporting Prop 24 is a no brainer. And that's coming from the people who wrote the CCPA. Hmm. And we're proud to see this happen. Doesn't it give you pause, though, Jim Steyer, that people for whom this law should be squarely in their interest won't take a position, for example, the Electronic Frontier Foundation that we heard from no, just at the end? it doesn't. It really doesn't because they weren't involved in the CC. They sat on the sidelines on the CCPA, as did the ACLU. They were not players in this. So I, I heard your coverage, but no, they weren't players in the CCPA. They, you heard them say, you know, well, we have these little details here and we, we've decided to sit it out. But they set out the CCPA as well. And they're not nearly as large an organization, by the way, as common sense is. And so that's that's basically been the way that privacy legislation has evolved. You've had organizations that are good, thoughtful organizations. They pretty much stayed on the sidelines. And we drove the passage of the CCPA with Alistair, who was an individual right. and working. We had to work with the key players in the legislature, as well as the governor to make that happen and the tech industry. So I'm not surprised because they set out the CCPA as well. Got it. So then Richard Holliber, I mean, Jim Starr is talking here about limiting the use of sensitive personal information, you know, tripling fines potentially for for companies that violate children's privacy rights. Those are expansions. Why do you feel like this proposition does more harm than good? Well, look, 20, Prop 24 contains some very modest improvements in privacy, and we acknowledge that. But these are far more than offset by very substantial takeaways from the privacy rights that Californians enjoy under current law. And that's why most of the groups that fight for the rights of Californians are opposing 24. The ACLU is against it, the California League of Women Voters, the California Nurses Association, the Consumer Federation of California, Color of Change, Public Citizen, California Council of Churches, Dolores Huerta, Labor and Civil Rights Leader, along with 18 daily newspapers. And on balance, this does more harm than good. And it is, in fact, the people that don't say no-brainer who have taken the time to read this realize that this is a mess and it becomes almost impossible to amend. So I, I think Mr. Steyer's rewrite of history is completely wrong. Uh, Consumer Federation of California supported a ballot measure that uh, Mr. McTaggart withdrew at the last minute. And we were among the last to learn when it was in print what CCPA, the current law, does. And yes, we had 72 hours under, under the rules in the legislature to weigh in. It was a cut and done and finished deal before privacy groups, except for Mr. Steyer's group, were involved. The takeaways include it limits your privacy to the boundaries of California. Under current law, you have privacy and your devices have privacy wherever you travel. There's a one word change in Prop 24 that allows businesses to upload the contents of your phone the second your phone pings a cell tower in Nevada or another state. It also asks you to approve an internet pay for privacy scheme and it expands it. Those who don't pay more for privacy will get can get downgraded services. We call this the online equivalent of express lanes for the wealthy and traffic jams for the rest of us. It also makes it much harder to tell a business not to sell your information. Under current regulations, there are methods you can set a one-time only signal on your device or browser 
and every business must honor it. And the first of these just went into effect. Uh, one, one of the major uh, browsers just implemented one. 24 changes that and allows businesses to ignore those signals. And most important of all, it has very strange language around amendments that make it next to impossible for the legislature to amend it. So yes, it sets a floor, but it also sets a ceiling. We will be stuck with this to another very wealthy, rich guy comes along with privacy, you know, as, as his hobby to try to fix all of the problems. And that is why, you know, if you read the uh, review of this that was done by the League of Women Voters, they outlined the problems. Pay for privacy. It creates opt-out of sharing versus opt-in. It makes opting out more difficult. It's inequitable because the pay for privacy is unfair to lower income people. It weakens biometric data protections. It exposes social media data to mining. It makes data deletion more difficult and it limits privacy rights to California. If you so stop and read it, you will conclude that this thing does no more harm than good. It's also premature. The current law only became enforced July 1st, three months ago. Yet already they're back to the ballot trying to rewrite and weaken a law when we don't even know what needs fixing. It's not the way you go about the legislative process. You, we should let this new law have a chance to work, see what works, see what doesn't work, see what needs fixing. We fight for privacy year in and year out. And we've won some very dramatic laws, much stronger than the CCPA, which is a mile wide and an inch deep. And we should go to the legislature to fix it when we know what's wrong with it. But that'll take a little while to know what's wrong with it. And please, please, not to weaken it the way Prop 24 does. So then, Richard Holliber, respond to this listener, Thomas, who writes, the opposition to Prop 24 keeps saying that Prop 24 introduces pay for privacy, but by their definition, isn't pay for privacy the current law? And if this is such a bad thing, why did they not try to eliminate it from the current law? So first of all, it expands pay for privacy. Yes, it is in this very poorly written uh, CCPA that Mr. Steyer takes. Uh, so is the opt out. In. That's also existed as well. Yes, but it expands it. OK, most important at all. And this is what people need to understand. It's one thing for the legislature, 120 members of the legislature to uh, enact a law. It's a different thing for the many millions of voters to enshrine it, basically to etch it in stone and make it next to impossible to remove it. We don't like pay for privacy. It's fundamentally unfair. That's why groups like Color of Change and uh, Dolores Huerta and others say this is unfair uh, to, to people who are struggling through a pandemic. So we don't want to enshrine it in law. We don't want to expand it. 24 right. expands it by including loyalty clubs and other things that are not covered by current law as pay for privacy. Loyalty clubs, yes. Elsie uh, in Sacramento, Caller Elsie, join us. This is Elsie. Hi, Elsie. Go right ahead. Oh, I thought I already talked to you. So, so my concern is that they're not being straightforward with us because there's a lot of clandestine things in that thing that's trying to hide things from us. Some of the um, sponsors that normally would fight for us and pay for these bills for privacy, they're not. They're not speaking up. And I just think that we've already got enough of our liberties taken away from us. And with the pandemic and everything going on, it's a continuation of a lot of our rights being taken away because we're not going to have a say when, you know, when it comes down to shots. We're not going to have a say when it comes down to they want to uh, close up the society again. And I just think that um, anything that's going to take away our freedom shouldn't happen. So I'm totally against this 24. 
Uh, okay, Elsie. Well, thanks. I mean, a partner writes, I feel strongly about privacy and want to vote yes. But I have two concerns that are giving me pause. First, how easy will it be for the legislature to make amendments to the prop? And two, will the prop increase social inequities by creating a pay for privacy model? Uh, Jim Steyer, can you respond to Elsie and Aparna's sure, concerns can, here? By the way, I can, but I would just like to say this. Uh, the uh, the other guests made so many inaccurate statements that I, I could waste the rest of the program responding to his factual inaccuracies. But let me answer that. Number one, Go ahead and respond people, to are, excuse me, don't interrupt me. But uh, thank you. You spoke for a long time. The answer is it is absolutely possible to amend the, the Prop 24 if you strengthen consumer privacy. We were involved in the negotiations with the key people in the legislature in order to make sure that would happen. This is a floor, not a ceiling. That comment is completely inaccurate and, and gratuitous. Second, so it's absolutely possible to amend this law in the future if it strengthens consumer privacy. Uh, that's number one. And second, it, the, the, you, as you correctly asserted in response to Mr. Holabar, the pay for privacy purse piece, which is in the current law of the CCPA, is a, is a factor. It is something that the legislature could take up and should take up. As the people who've passed the only major legislation in California or nationally on privacy, I would just tell you that the whole point is therefore convince the legislature to do that. There's no question that the Prop 24 efforts strengthen the privacy protections for consumers, for kids and families. And basically, most of the groups that were mentioned have nothing to do with privacy, have no privacy expertise at all, and are part of a, a, a what I, we're, we're quite confident will be a losing effort to try to hurt Prop 24. This is a strong, positive step forward in the privacy regime that Californians all will enjoy. And, and it will be amendable in the future only if it increases privacy protections for the public. And that's a good thing, period. So Can I talk to the Richard amendment? Holmer. Yes, but also well, the fact that, you know, in the legislature, it is a simple majority vote to change the correct. law. Well, that, that's a half truth. So you have to read the language, which says, uh, yes, simple majority, uh, provided that the amendments are consistent with the purposes so you go to section three and this is the purposes. And again, this is just one example of why no one can make sense of this 52 page long, dense and complex and confounding ballot measure. But let's go to the purposes. There are 23 purposes. Only one of them specifically speaks to amendments. And I'll read it to you. This law should be amended if necessary, if necessary to improve its operation provided that the amendments do not compromise or weaken consumer privacy. Okay, we like that part. While giving attention to the impact on business and innovation, we call that profit maximization. So there's nothing that says the legislature as a policy matter, because it is desirable, can improve your privacy rights. It says it can amend it if necessary to improve its operation. That's what we in Sacramento call workability, to smooth out any rough edges that make it not work quite well enough. But as a matter of policy, this becomes locked in, which is why a number of law professors, there's an article today in the San Francisco Chronicle, an op-ed, talking about how it's next to impossible for the legislature to amend it. And the San Jose Mercury News editorial says, it quotes those that exact same phrase that I just Quoted and it says, wow, how much attention needs to be given to the impact on business and innovation? Does it mean that a law strengthening consumer privacy is illegal if it necessarily impacts business? To what degree? Bring on the lawyers. California's courtrooms are crowded enough without the rash of lawsuit this provision 
would bring. This is a confusing measure. It is full of contradictions. The rule number one, do no harm. Voters mm -hmm. should vote this down and then let's get it right. This ballot measure gets it wrong. Well, let me go to caller Rick in Oakland next. Hi, Rick. Join us. Hi, Rick. Are you there? Well, while we wait for Rick, uh, let's get to David's comment. Hey, can you hear uh, Jim Steyer. Uh, oh, Rick, I can now. Thank you. Go right ahead. Yeah, I, I read Prop 24, and as a voter, I think this is just a great practical approach to getting more rights. One of the things that hasn't been mentioned by either of the speakers today is that Prop 24 makes it really hard for companies to get away with not securing your information. It increases fines and penalties for companies that don't secure your information, which leads to all kinds of identity thefts. And, and I've been a victim of identity theft, and it's clear the legislature hasn't done anything on this. So the idea that we should leave the legislature to do more on this when it hasn't done much in the past, I mean, I'm, I look at this and say, identity theft is rampant. This law, Prop 24, makes it real hard for companies to get away with that. So I, I'm a big proponent of Prop 24, and I think it's, it goes beyond all the stuff that's been mentioned today. Well, Rick, thanks. So, of course, the legislature did originally pass it in 2018, but, of course, this was after the effort to try to avoid getting it on the ballot back then. Jim Steyer, David writes, though, if this prop is such a slam dunk, why does it have such complicated language? I mean, you heard Richard Holliber say 52 pages and that others have described this as kind of confounding. Because privacy legislation and most legislation does. And it and because th that's quite simple. And that's true for most of the ballot initiatives that you see today. And in fact, uh, the, it's a pretty straightforward improvement in, in this. The, as the caller just mentioned, it really does strengthen those uh, privacy rights for consumers. Um, and the, the fact is that if you really understand how ballot initiatives works, having run any number of them in California, um, they are they are complicated documents because they amend certain parts of the legislature. And since we were the authors of the CCPA, we're, that's a long document as well. That is how the legislative process works. The, but at the end of the day, it's a pretty straightforward call here. Again, why would the people who wrote the privacy protections that all Californians now enjoy undermine that law? Of course we wouldn't. We're strengthening that law. And by the way, we will probably be the people who go and strengthen even more laws in the legislature because we have been able to work with the legislature to do that. And that is a process of politics that the opponents are just making a lot of noise well, and, and they've not been players in this in a big way. And that's wrong. They, they well, let's give our listeners a chance to get some questions in before this segment ends, just because, you know, this is really who this segment is for. So let me go to Raj in Palo Alto. Hi, Raj. Important topic. Um, I was wondering uh, which one is more like the robust European privacy laws, CCPA or Prop 24? And also, uh, where does the uh, AG's office fall? Is the Attorney General for Prop 24 against or neutral? Richard Holliver? Yeah, let me let me respond. Well, first, the AG is neutral, and unfortunately, Prop 24 uh, reduces some of the recently enacted AG regs, particularly around um, making it harder for people to tell businesses not to sell or, or sell their information. Uh, Prop 24 weakens your right to privacy when you travel. It makes it harder to delete information. It, it reduces your biometric privacy. Um, it also enshrines pay for privacy which is unfair. And these are all things that take us further and further away from any ideal European 
or any other ideal that we want. And I, I you know, I just want to say, you know, Mr. Starr, I think he's much more important than anyone because he's funded by by businesses like AT and T, and that's fine. He does some great work, and you know, I recognize and, and applaud it. But he says I'm the only guy in Sacramento who's ever done anything. Consumer Federation of California, ACLU, and other opponents have enacted lots and lots of privacy laws. The earlier question about identity theft. You know, we were involved in enacting the first data breach laws and laws against identity theft and laws that create great uh, penalties for identity theft. So to say that the only people that do anything are for Prop 24 is simply ignoring the reality. Most privacy advocates say vote no on 24. All right. Well, Richard Holbers with the Consumer Federation of California, the president, Jim Steyer, CEO and founder of Common Sense Media. You've got 10 seconds, Jim, and that's it. Hey, if you care about your own privacy in California, if you care about the privacy of kids and families and consumers, it's a clear vote yes on Prop 24. Thank you yeah. very much for having me. And let me thank Rachel Myro for her report at the beginning of this segment. And thanks to our listeners for their questions and comments. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.